1: Hello and welcome, everybody, into another edition of the PHNX Suns Podcast. I am your host, Greg Esposito, Espo, joined as always well, by one of my friends on the program. It is Gerald borgay Gerald, how are you today? I'm doing
0: great. Excited for this special episode we're doing today.
1: Yeah, it's a little holiday, uh, f- festive feeling to it. It's a special Christmas Eve edition, and while you all love to hear us talk, sons, and there's no denying that Gerald is one of the best beat writers, one of the best minds when it comes to sons basketball. I just show up and talk, but Gerald is one of the best minds. We're actually going to talk about something that Gerald and I both love dearly. It is media and movies, television. And, and today, we're going to focus in one area on this very special Christmas Eve edition of G-Rated. We're going to talk about Spider-Man No Way Home. I yes. love this film, Gerald. You had it as one of the highest rated movies I've ever seen you rate on, uh, <laughs> on social. Uh, what Initially, what was your takeaway from seeing this film?
0: I think it was just the pure amount of spectacle and I hate to use the term fan service because that always is taken as like a slight like it's you know in lieu of like plot developments or interesting characters you're just throwing something that fans will appreciate but I feel like the way that they handled this movie and and spoiler alert we're going to dive into this movie uh, if you haven't seen it yet but it, it just was like the ultimate love letter to spider fans whether you were. a a fan of the original Spider-Man trilogy, Andrew Garfield's two Spider-Man movies, the new Tom Holland ones, the comics, like there were just so many references and inside jokes and Easter eggs. And it was really kind of just the perfect Spider-Man movie for any Spider-Man fan.
1: I think I'd go as far to say as it was almost a perfect Marvel movie too. Mm -hmm. And, And look, when you saw the, when you saw the trailers, when you heard about, this concept and and the names that, that were going to be involved, you felt like, okay, could this be too much? And we've had these moments throughout Marvel, right? You know, you hear Endgame and, and, and all the Avengers movies. Is it too much? And that's always a concern. I thought in this Spider-Man in particular, we knew the villains in, in Doc Ock, Green Goblin, Sandman. I mean, there they, you knew that there was going to be a lot of, uh, of villains in this movie based on trailers. And then we heard and spoiler alert that there were, there could be three Spider-Man in this movie too. And you went, how do you make this all work? Oh, and Dr. Strange is there too. Like, you know, <laughs> like, uh, how do you make it work? And they found a way like Marvel does so beautifully throughout this. When you think about how insane all of, uh, all of what they have going on is I mean, they found a way to weave this together. The story is great. It fits well into everything going on in the MCU. And it also helps set up the future of the MCU. I mean, there's references in this that tie directly into Hawkeye that's playing out at the same exact time on television uh, that it's just masterfully done.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing I feel like Marvel sometimes doesn't give enough, get enough credit for, because, you know, we all know that Marvel movies are just a powerhouse now. Um, And some people kind of resent that, you know, there's the whole talk about them being more like amusement park rides and actual like good movies. And I understand that criticism, but at the same time, like there is no movie entity that does a better job of weaving elements in and out of their multiple movies, all these different characters, storylines, they somehow all find a way to interconnect. And obviously that was kind of the goal. You know, you, you can't have the Avengers without setting up Iron Man and Captain America and all these different heroes first, but the way they've been able to build on it since then, like you think back to the Avengers days, no one thought that that was ever gonna be possible. Like when they first did Iron Man, nobody thought that they would be able to have all these different heroes sharing the screen together. And now you flash forward to events like Endgame, you flash forward to a movie like this that are just tying in all these different Marvel IPs together in a way that like is true to the characters and doesn't, I mean, obviously it is a cash grab, but it doesn't feel like a cash grab. It, it does the fans justice. It does their stories justice. And like, in this case, it did three different Spider-Man movie sets. I don't want to say trilogies because Poor Andrew Garfield's didn't get to a third, but like it does it in a way that honors these characters, honors the fans of these characters and doesn't feel, you know, cheap or like exploitative. So I was really impressed. And and I I, I wanted to ask you, did when you saw it, did you see it kind of like, in, I'm assuming it was probably a semi crowded theater when you saw it?
1: Yeah, it was it was pretty much packed. Uh, so yeah. which brings its which brings its own issues in today's a uh, uh, day and time, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it was the first real big movie I saw in theater since uh, since all this happened.
0: Yeah, so it was like I, I mean I was kind of I wore my mask the whole time, but like my thing was I, I took my girlfriend with me and she's not used to seeing like movies the night that they come out with like crowded, super like fanboy crowds. So, <laughs> you know, like when, when, spoiler alert, when Daredevil showed up, Charlie Cox, um, like the theater kind of erupted. Like people started cheering out loud. And for me, she was, she was like annoyed. She's like, why are they clapping? Like, why are they cheering? And I was like, I'm, you know, I'm like sitting down from my standing ovation, like, oh, I don't know, that's weird. Like, why are they doing <laughs> that? Um, but I, I really do think that this is one of the rare movies, this and kind of like Endgame, that are kind of enhanced by that overly like dorky reaction to moments oh, yeah. like that. Like, as long as they're not clapping too long, like to where I'm missing stuff that's happening on the screen. But like when he showed up, and then when Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire showed up, like. The theater going nuts was just a really cool moment.
1: Yeah, and the the other moment like that again, spoiler alert. But if you've lasted this long, we've already spoiled <laughs> plenty of it for you. When uh, when Andrew Garfield catches uh, MJ's and Day is uh, oh my god, that was another <laughs> yes. moment where the where the the theater clapped as well. It was the the whole thing. I not to go back to to how they tie this all together, but. My gosh, they tie two two Sony franchises into this uh, with with everything they did with the different Spider Man, the villains. They tie in to your point the television shows from Netflix by bringing in Daredevil into mm-hmm. this. They then uh, take nods to Hawkeye that's going on on Disney Plus, which plays in, in in into some of this and, and the other Disney Plus series. It's it's crazy. I don't, I sit there and I think, okay, how does Kevin Feige keep this all together? Right? Like, does he have some kind of board in his offices at Marvel that looks like a beautiful mind? Do you remember how there's just strings <laughs> all connected with r- random stuff written? Like it, the, the, it, not to make a spider joke, but the web that's weaved with all of this <laughs> is unfreaking believable that they pull it off and they do it so well. I mean, my, one of my favorite moments it's a low key moment but and maybe dumb when you consider all the moments in this film but was when uh charlie cox the daredevil uh you know is sitting there at the table uh with with spider-man uh and uh and aunt may and everything and happy and the brick comes through the window (laughs) and he catches it and i'm like Okay, that's badass, right? And the look on Tom Holland's face, where where it's like, "Huh? How did, And he asked him, "How do you do that?" And he goes, "I'm a really, really good lawyer." I was like, "Okay, that is spectacular. That is just such a just a fun way to acknowledge. Hey, you're not the only uh, the only guy that has a secret identity or a once secret identity in this room. So uh, I I loved that. What?" what i also thought was was interesting was we all knew that there was going to be three Spider-Man in the in this movie right they tried to hide it none of them would acknowledge it they didn't really at least on purpose give it away in the trailer but it was one of those things we all were like yeah yeah it's coming and when it happens it's still like oh, shit, that actually (laughs) happened. They did it, you know?
0: Yes, it really was. Because, like, you knew as soon as you saw Green Goblin and Doc Ock in the trailer, like, there's no way that they could not have them in the movie. But it still hit, like, really hard in a good way when, you know, Ned opens up the portal and Andrew Garfield comes through. And then when Tobey Maguire comes through, and obviously he's an older Spider-Man now, but, like, just seeing how elated people were To like have their hopes confirmed and like these all three of these Spider-Man are gonna share the screen at the same time. Like that was incredible. And I think to your point about Andrew Garfield when he caught MJ, he caught Tom Holland's MJ, like that was probably the best moment of the film. And I didn't really care for either of his Spider-Man movies. I think Andrew Garfield himself is a good Spider-Man, and I think that the this movie kind of, like, retroactively validated him as a Spider-Man. But, like, the movies themselves are not very good. So, like, even as someone who didn't really enjoy those movies, seeing him get his chance to redeem his greatest failure as Spider-Man, and, like, his emotional reaction is both, like, funny and also heartbreaking all at once when he catches her. And he's like, are you okay? And she's like, are you okay? (laughs) It was... It was, I mean, honestly, I teared up a little bit at that moment and people like audibly gasped in the theater when that, happened. (laughs) because like, and that's, that's one thing that I did like about this movie is it not only like off the screen gave like Andrew Garfield a chance to redeem himself. um, But it also kind of gave the characters, each Spider-Man a chance to redeem their worst failures. Like obviously with Andrew Garfield's, it was, it wasn't, it was uh, not getting to Gwen Stacy in time. And her falling to her death. For Tobey Maguire, it was, you know, doing his little backflip and the Green Goblin impaling himself on the glider. In this one, he saves the Green Goblin from being impaled on his glider because Tom Holland's out for revenge and he gets stabbed in the back. And then for Tom Holland's main uh, Spider Man, like he went from giving into hate and trying to kill his enemy who who killed Aunt May to making the most loving and like sacrificial choice that he could make as far as like setting the universe straight at the cost of everyone he knows not knowing him anymore. Like so, I, I really liked the what that theme that kind of wove through all three characters and gave them all a chance to be even more of heroes than they already were.
1: Well and and not not to mention that they were able to give each vil- villain redemption in some <laughs> ways, too, uh, to help them, uh, you know, uh, to help fix that. But I, this is one thing I'm wondering, and and maybe, maybe it's just, hey, that would be crappy storytelling, but couldn't they have made the spell where nobody remembered Spider-Man and not nobody remembered Peter Parker? Because then he wouldn't have to sacrifice everything that he knows and that everybody that loves him, he could have just made everybody forget about the superhero uh, uh, that it, you know, and, and that's actually better for, for a hero is that nobody knows who you are and nobody knows that the hero even exists.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think he could have probably done that. I, I it, it, there's a lot. So if you like poke at the logic of it all, like why Dr. Strange didn't ask him if he called admissions before, He cast the original (laughs) spell, like why he, I mean, I know that they like, he's, you know, there was that line, like we saved the world together. It's not a problem or whatever it was, but like, it should be a little bit more of a problem. Like I know your job isn't babysitting teenage high schoolers or whatever, but like maybe do a little bit better job than casting a spell that alters the state of everyone in the universe. I don't know. That's just me. (laughs)
1: Doesn't that doesn't that fit with Dr. Strange? He's like a maverick. Like he's not really known for his well thought out, you know, at times uh, approach to things, especially if you watched uh, What If uh, on Disney Plus, you know, there's a version of him that's very, very reckless for his own uh, for his own benefit. And I actually think uh, that comes into play in the multiverse of madness or the multiverse of madness as Mm -hmm. well. When you when you look at that. Uh, but you're right. If you if you look at any of this, you could poke <laughs> a lot of holes in in the logic in general. But did you know, I heard this the other day, and I don't know, I, admittedly, I should have done more research to ensure this is uh, 100% true, but did you know that when Sony came to the original agreement with Marvel that, uh, that Spider-Man could be in the MCU, they said you cannot bring the Uncle Ben storyline into it? Did they? Yeah. So that's why we never got that. Okay. Uncle Ben passed away and made him into Spider-Man. And mm. why we got this, this Aunt May, uh, I hate to say payoff. That's a weird way to describe <laughs> it, but but the, the, the first true kind of like, yes, he's been Spider-Man, but this feels like the origin story of how he becomes the true hero and leader as spider-man and it comes in part because of aunt may's sacrifice and of course she utters the the uncle ben line with great response with great power comes great responsibility right Mm -hmm. and uh so i found that interesting that i everybody i think kind of assumed oh they didn't do it because it's tired we've seen it too many times on film everybody Mm -hmm. knows that but I think it was in part because legally they couldn't do that. And they found a very unique way to accomplish the same thing without uh, without having to use the old trope.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of like that twist as well. And I, I didn't know it was because they had that that legally binding <laughs> reason behind it. Um, but I'm kind of glad because we've seen Uncle Ben. Like how many more times do we have to see Uncle Ben? or Bruce Wayne's parents get murdered before we understand like, that part I'm of guessing the we get to story. See
1: Bruce, I'm guessing we get to see Bruce Wayne's parents get murdered again in March. When, when uh, the next, yeah. the when the Batman comes out uh, with how dark it is, I'm guessing we're going to get that scene again,
0: at, at least in a flashback. Right. But like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think with this, that the way that they twisted, obviously losing Marissa Tomei is a loss to the MCU as a whole, but, I mean, I, I think that scene was powerful. I think it gave I, I mean the the one of the criticisms against or at least compared to like Toby Maguire's original Spider-Man trilogy, right? Is that it's more it's been more lighthearted. Like Tom Holland has kind of that boyish, naive charm to him. He is kind of truer to the comic book version, the high school kid who's just trying to balance everyday high school life with being a superhero. And I think that this movie moved it more in the direction of like, okay, shit got serious. Like, obviously it was sad when he got like dusted away in Avengers, um, but he still had some growing up to do. And I feel like this movie pushed it more in that direction than ever before, because he made a very adult choice, you know, logic, notwithstanding, he made a very adult choice at the end there. Um, and that last scene where he goes into the coffee shop and and kind of decides against introducing himself again to his MJ and to Ned. I mean, it's quiet and it's heartbreaking and it's also just kind of like a culmination of his journey, but also leaving the door open for what comes next. And I I honestly have no idea what could be coming next now.
1: Well, I think this sets him up to obviously be to replace Tony Stark as, as the head of the Avengers. Right. Right. I mean that's, I think that's what this maturation process was about because now I think he's ready to lead. But it also part of me wonders, you know, the, we get that throwaway line about uh, you know, uh, Tobey Maguire mentioning his best friend becomes a yeah. villain. You know, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that's where we're headed eventually. Is Ned not knowing Tom uh, Tom and Holland Spider Man now? Somehow becomes a villain, you know, while he's at MIT and and these things. Do we get that? Does that come as a callback or something? Is there, is there some way that that comes back into play? It opens so many doors that I'm so excited to see where it heads. And and after Endgame, you kind of wondered, can they keep it up? Will there be enough, or have we gotten to the point where it'll be like, oh, okay, it's the B level Avengers now, you know, right. and. And they've set this up again to come full circle very masterfully. The one thing I, I am disappointed in is with Aunt May dying, my hopes of a happy and Aunt May Disney <laughs> <Yes>. plus rom-com <laughs> series go out the window. And I would have yeah. watched the hell out of that sitcom.
0: <laughs> it's too bad. It's it, She's a real loss to the MCU in more sense than one. And it, it's interesting you bring up Ned because I think in the comics, a character named Ned Leeds uh, – becomes the Hobgoblin, or is framed as being a villain called the Hobgoblin. So I think that was kind of like an inside joke or reference to that kind of story arc from the comic So it's possible, but I, I would love to see Spider-Man be kind of the next face of this next chapter for the Avengers, because like you're saying, he's kind of set up as like Tony Stark's heir apparent. He was his kind of apprentice, if you will. And with Chadwick Boseman's unfortunate passing a few years ago, like Black Panther was kind of poised to take over that role, and now that role is kind of vacant. So I think from a storytelling perspective, it makes sense. But I also know that Tom Holland is already kind of getting tired of playing Spider-Man. Like he said, he's already ready to kind of turn that mental over. He said, if I'm playing Spider-Man past the age of 30, I'm doing something wrong. He's already 25. So I think that Jamie Foxx kind of throwaway line, like I thought a kid helping like people, like poor people in New York would be black. I think that they're going to try and introduce Miles Morales into the MCU and and kind of take over for Tom Holland at that point. Um, But I do know that they have like one or two more movies with Tom Holland planned.
1: I, I thought they just announced that he's signed up for four more though.
0: I, yeah, I think that they announced three, I thought. And then I think they dialed it back a little bit. Um, yeah, so I, it's kind of unclear what kind of future we're looking at with Tom Holland. For me, and this is a question I want to ask you, though. For me, Tom Holland is my favorite Spider-Man. Not We're not talking about the movies themselves, but just the portrayal of Spider-Man. So I, want, I wanted to ask you, how would you rank the three Spider-Men in their overall portrayal of the character
1: are we so we're talking full picture their movies included not just in this yes okay holland kobe Maguire, and then andrew garfield but if i was looking at it just in this movie i probably mm-hmm. would go holland uh and then uh garfield and then Maguire. i really like andrew garfield's approach to it the humor the the way he was uh was kind of a mix of the, of McGuire and, uh, uh and Holland Spider-Man. Uh, so, but in totality, yeah, it's, it's Holland, McGuire uh, and Garfield. And, and I think it's tough, tough to argue any other uh mm. ranking of those in, unless, unless you were a big first trilogy fan, and then you <laughs> might be able to make the argument that McGuire and Holland could be flip-flopped.
0: Right, see I think for my thing I would agree with you. I think it's Holland, Maguire, Garfield. Honestly, I could I could see a case for Garfield ahead of Maguire, but in terms of like when you think of Spider-Man, like the character, I think a lot of people still think of Toby Maguire. Um which I get it cuz he was kind of the trailblazer and he was not bad in that role. It just that version of the character was not close to kind of the normal or i guess the comic book version of the character so i feel like that's why i relate to tom holland and garfield's take a little bit more because he's they're more wisecracking young kind of vibrant characters instead of like the the sam raimi trilogy for spider-man was way more serious like it was a very serious take on the character which was cool because it was a very good superhero story um but like there was none of that kind of wisecracking side of the character um, that these two brought to the table. And so it, it was kind of cool to see these different versions of the character unite, but I'm kind of with you. And especially in this performance where it was still a lot of that young naiveness, but also like getting hit with reality multiple times and having to mature and face adult decisions like Tom Holland and Zendaya were all were they were both phenomenal in acting in this movie
1: yeah it was it was really well acted uh, which isn't always the case in this genre so that was refreshing all right quick question is it spider-men or spider-mans how do you say it like what's a what's a pro i've gone men but i feel like mans is probably the uh the more appropriate way to say it
0: I would probably say Spider Men, but I think I think the the grammatical editor in me is doing that. <laughs> I think that's why it would probably be Spider Men for me.
1: Um, I the other thing, I turned to my wife in the middle of this of this film and said, if they ever and I don't want this, but if they ever remake Back to the Future, Tom Holland has to play Marty <laughs> McFly. Like yeah, there is no fair. other human being that could do it. <laughs>
0: yes no that's a it's actually a pretty perfect casting um i wanted to ask you one last question before we kind of dip out but how do you rank the three spider-man franchises as well because we did the spider-man individually but how would you rank like the the homecoming trilogy versus toby Maguire's versus the two andrew garfield
1: ones uh can i make a really sad uh Uh, confession to you what's that i never saw the andrew garfield films
0: okay i mean that's hey you're not missing a whole lot i'll be 100 percent honest with you
1: that's what i heard it fell in i had like a three-year period in like at the end of college beginning of of my career that i didn't get to movies as as much as i loved to go to movies and this was something that kind of fell in that crevice and I, I heard it wasn't a real necessity so i never made it a real effort to go see it so so that'll obviously be last i i genuinely love the homecoming trilogy just because i love tom holland that mm. much but it's so close because that that first series that the, the toby mcguire trilogy outside of those original Batman films were really the ones that said superhero movies can work. This isn't, right. it doesn't just have to be, you know, a, a kid genre thing. It it doesn't have to, you know, be cheesy, which and in, in those uh, Schumacher Batman films, we really got the cheese laid on us heavy. <laughs> it was like, Hey, look, that, that magic from Batman 1989 can happen and can happen in multiple films so it's tough I, I want to say the original trilogy is better but i just i enjoyed holland that much more uh in, in the rules. so i'm gonna go uh home, homecoming trilogy then the original spider-man trilogy and eventually i maybe i'll see the other <laughs> two andrew garfield films
0: yeah i i think i would go the exact same way and it's tough because honestly like those first two Spider-Man movies are phenomenal. They set the tone for superhero movies. And also like, I'm one of the people that doesn't actually mind Spider-Man three. Like I'm, I'm aware it's flawed, but it's kind of like the Phantom Menace for me. Like I know it's flawed, but I still love it anyway. Um, But I would still probably put this newer one ahead just because of Tom Holland. And just because like, I think no way home is like the definitive culmination of Spider-Man movies. Like even, even the way that it incorporates the multiverse like um, Into the Spider-Verse did, like it, it just touches on everything and it's so good. Um, so I'm, I'm probably going to go in that order. And I, I agree with you. I think this movie, you know, people might actually go back and watch The Amazing Spider-Man and The Amazing Spider-Man 2 just to see Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man just because of how good he was in this movie <laughs> yeah
1: it, i mean that like it actually made me consider it
0: yeah it's like vindication for for his uh one of the lowlights of his career unfortunately because they were not good movies but he as spider-man was not was not right. bad so uh,
1: yeah. final question for me before we give our our ratings and number of phoenixes is into the spider-verse or no way home the best spider-man film ever
0: <laughs> i i'm going no way home and I know that like Into the Spider-Verse is phenomenal. I loved that movie. I saw it in theaters and I was just blown away by how good it was and the take on that character and fell in love with Miles Morales. And I cannot wait to see his live action crossover whenever that day comes. But No Way Home was just kind of a different level of of fan service. And, and I mean that in the best way possible.
1: Yeah, I... I agree. Uh, the only thing that almost made me pick into the Spider Verse is the fact that Nick Cage plays uh, plays one of the voices of, yes. of Spider Man, which is which is spectacular. All right, the the time has come. We must do this. We must pass judgment on this episode of of G rated within the mm-hmm. PHNX and X Suns uh, multiverse. Are we? Uh, uh, where are we going? How many Phoenixes are you giving uh, this film?
0: I am going nine and a half out of 10 Phoenixes. I think this is maybe the highest rated movie that I've seen this year. And I know it's not some cinematic masterpiece or anything like that, but if you like Spider-Man, if you like superhero movies, this is a, about as good as it gets. And we didn't even mention Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin, who is just an iconic villain. And now he's in the MCU phenomenal. So I'm going nine and a half out of 10.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go nine point two five. I hate to hack Phoenix into four pieces, but I'm gonna do it uh, for this. Uh, it was it was very, very good. i I loved it from a superhero film. Uh, i I enjoyed it. it It, it kind of delivered on it was it was what Batman v Superman kind of promised us and didn't give us. Uh, this this film did it gave us kind of that that meetup that we've always wanted to see on the big screen this time it wasn't you know two two heroes it was three of the same hero and it paid off uh, in spades so I go 9.25 uh, and it, we another person we didn't mention always good to see J. Jonah Jameson uh, in a yes. movie uh, spewing his ridiculousness uh, J.K. J. Simmons spectacular in that role
0: yes absolutely the the whole alex jones take on his character in this universe (laughs) was great
1: yes it was uh he is gerald borgay you can follow him on twitter at gerald borgay you can follow me at espo you can follow the show at phnx underscore sons we will continue to do some of these special g-rated episodes within the podcast only feed again it's part of the phnx Sons. Multiverse. uh merry christmas to each and every one of you if you're listening to this on christmas eve if you're listening to it after we hope you got some nice gifts uh including some ph and x shirts so for gerald i'm aspo we'll talk to you next time oh boy good stuff man thanks yeah absolutely sorry it was a pain in the ass to figure out when we we're gonna record
0: <laughs> no it's all good uh, and you uh you have the graphic for like the g-rated that arnold made
1: Yep, I got that. And then uh if if you want to send me kind of that schedule that you had worked out of upcoming things, yes. I'll take a look at it and then we can kind of map out when we want to do it. But I think I think it could work where it's just you and I doing audio only on this, or if we want to do video, we can do that too. But we can kind of map it out, you know.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I think that's a good idea. Like I'll just send the schedule and we can ask if we can ask Lindsay and Saul to take a look if there's anything on there that they want to participate yeah. in. We can do that. But if not, like you and I can just knock it out.
1: Yep. Sounds good, man. Uh I'll talk right. to you tonight.
0: Okay. See ya. All
1: right. Bye.